Hey, bro, I'll, I'll remember that, brother. That brother's the one I need to call. Yeah, I didn't call nobody. I didn't, I didn't reach out to any of y'all. No, I know, I, you know what? I know the truth is, I, and I really believe this all my heart, and I might be lying to myself, but I believe if I'd called just about anybody in this room, y'all would have come help me. And I thank, I thank for it. Yeah, I say amen, at least I know I think that, right? <laughs> I might think it might not be true, but don't call me at 3 o'clock in the morning. That's, a, that's <laughs> early. Brother needs to get his sleep, right? Amen. I, I'm still, I still work for a living. All of, all, you know what I found out? What scares me the most is you retired guys. Y'all work, y'all, y'all work harder than me. Seriously, it scares me to death to hear y'all, y'all, y'all talk about what y'all are doing. I'm like, man, I don't want to retire. Huh? I know, that's, what, that's, the, that's the worst part. Yeah, you can't get mad at your boss because you are the boss. I've seen that. All right, Deuteronomy, yeah, praise the Lord, bro. Deuteronomy chapter 33. Hey, we're, we're, we're talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ, Deuteronomy chapter 33. Now, I'm going to be going through some scripture this morning. Uh, like I said, I'm going to go through some of it. I'm going to go through it pretty quick, some of it, because I've got to get through it. But uh, this is the second, uh, this is the path of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, I taught and preached last Sunday on Jesus Christ coming back, and he is coming back. And everything you see going on in Israel today is just the Lord getting the world ready for the Antichrist to step in, bring peace to the Middle East, and then Jesus, and then the, then the tribulation period will start, uh, book of Revelation, the number of the beasts, all that stuff we've studied about, and then Jesus Christ is going to come back. But what's interesting is when you study through the Old Testament, you're going to find that there's references to the way Jesus Christ not only comes back, but the path he takes as he goes through going up to Jerusalem. Because like I said in this morning service, he's coming back, and he's coming back to Jerusalem. And uh, now, as I give this study, and as we, as, we, as we go through this, I want to make this very evident that Dr. Ruckman, who was my pastor up in Pensacola, Florida, he's gone on to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. He taught this, uh, he taught this study here. This is his study. I don't know anybody else in the world who's taught this. I've never seen this by anybody. So you're going to see Dr. Ruckman's name up here. That was, my, that was my teacher. That's when I sat under when I went to Bible Institute in Pensacola, Florida, was Dr. Peter S. Ruffin. You, some of y'all might know him. If you remember back in the day, he had the, on TV, he did the Drawing Men to Christ. He did chalk, he was an older guy, had the horn rim glasses. He, he'd draw and everything. He was real rough. He was always screaming and hollering about something or whatever. But when you know when you got to know him, he's a big old teddy bear. He just loved Jesus Christ. He was only about that tall. He's a little bitty old guy, like, like Hitler and Napoleon, just a little bitty old guy. But I'm going to give him credit. That the Lord gave this to him, and he was gracious enough to, to give this to us, and I want to make sure he, but this is in there. This is all in there. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 33, and this is at the end of Moses' life. And this is the blessing whereeth Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. Notice what Moses said here. And he said, the Lord came from Sinai. That's where the Ten Commandments were given, Mount Sinai. He came from Sinai and rose up from Seir. Now, I'm going to show this to you in a minute. Unto them, he shined forth from Mount Paran. Now, none of that happened. That's not what happened when the Ten Commandments were given. But this is, if you notice, this is, going to be, this is kind of a prophecy. And he came with ten thousand of saints. Ten thousands of saints from his right hand went a fiery law for them. Yea, he loved the people. All his saints are in thy hand, the hand of Jesus. And they sat down at thy feet, at the feet of Jesus, and everyone shall receive of thy words, the words of Jesus. 
Heavenly Father, Lord, I do thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you, Father, for the help to be able to get out of bed and come on up here this morning. Lord, I pray as we open up your words, Lord God, that they'll come off the page. Help us, Lord, to understand them, Lord. Help us to make them real to us, Lord. And Father, I pray, Lord, as we see this, you're coming back, Lord God, as we see in your scripture, Lord, how it looks like there's a path that you take to go up to Jerusalem, Lord God. I pray, Father, that help us to understand it. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray, amen. amen. All right. So this is the path of the second advent. Like I said, it's taught by Dr. Ruckman. And this is a picture. This was a picture drawn by Dr. Ruckman. If you've never seen Jesus depicted that way, I'm about to show you the scriptures. So don't freak out too much. But this is an actual picture of Jesus Christ. There's all the armies of heaven after, behind Jesus Christ as he comes through. And I'll get to those verses. Now notice, notice there in verse 2, it says there from Sinai. Now Mount Sinai is here. There's Sinai. There's Mount Sinai where, where the, where the uh, children were given the Ten Commandments. And then it says there, and he rose up from Seir. There's Seir up here. We're up there. And it says he shined forth from Mount Paran. There's Paran right there. So as we go through these scriptures, I'm about to turn, and we're about to start turning to, to some Bible verses. As we go through these, you're going to see this path that Jesus Christ is going to take as he comes up here. And what's interesting to know is this, has been, this is referred to as the King's Highway. Amen. King of kings, Lord of lords. This, is, this little stretch right here is referred to as the king's highway. Because that's a, Jesus Christ is going to come. He's going to hit this mountain. And he's going to march right through up here. He's going to march. He's going to end up hitting up the, the, the battle arm again. takes place right here. And he's going to straight into Jerusalem. That's what I'm going to teach you this morning. Turn to Judges chapter 5. Judges chapter 5. Now I've told you that. Now let's look at it in scripture. Judges chapter 5. So as you go through these stories... Some of these Old Testament stories, you're going to see these prophecies of Jesus Christ interwoven into these, into these stories about his, and, and it's stuff that didn't happen at the time, and it only can happen in the future. It's prophecy, and it's obvious when you put Scripture to Scripture, these prophecies are prophecies of his path, how he, when he comes back, what path he takes when he hits the earth and shoots up towards Jerusalem. Judges chapter 5, look at verse 2. Now this is after the battle of Deborah and Barak. They sing this song and it says, Praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel. He's going to avenge Israel. God just talked about that. When the people willingly offered themselves, Hear, O you kings. That's kings of the earth. Give ear, O you princes. I, even I, will sing unto the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. He's the Lord God of Israel. Lord, when thou wentest out of Seir. There it is. Up here. When you went us out of Seir, when thou marchest, notice these words, march and marchest. When thou marchest out of the field of Edom, Edom's up here. When he marches out of the field of Edom, and he goes on to say, uh, the earth trembled, and, the, and keep that word in mind, trembled like an earthquake, and the heavens dropped, and the clouds also dropped waters. Look at verse 5. This never happened at that time. The mountains melted. From before the Lord, even that Sinai from before the Lord God of Israel. When Jesus Christ comes back, he's going to hit where he gave the Ten Commandments, and boom, that mountain's going to just melt away as a fiery stream of fire goes before him. And we're going to read that in a minute. And he's, he's going up this pathway right here. This, all this is starting to burn up. It's starting to turn to ash, and he's coming up here. Y'all see that right up there? You see that Sela Petra? Y'all remember when I was teaching on Revelation 12? In Revelation 12, we see where the Antichrist goes after the Jews, and the Jews are carried off into the wilderness under Sela Petra. 
So what's happening here is Jesus Christ hits Mount Sinai. He comes storming through up here as he's marching through, and the armies of God are following him. He's gra he grabs these remnant of Jews that have survived, and he's heading up this way, going towards the Battle of Armageddon in Jerusalem. Turn to Psalm 68. Turn to Psalms 68. As we're looking at this path that Jesus Christ takes when he comes back. It's all here in Scripture. Boy, if you, if you have the time, some of you retired people, I know I just said y'all stay busier than I do, but if you, some of you retired people had the time to study your Bible it, it, real deep and look into some of these words, just the way to do it is just grab the word march and marches and, and, and study stuff like that out. And you'll be amazed how all of it, this Bible's just a chain and it all chains together. It all comes together into one great story. Look at Psalms chapter 68. Psalm 68, look at verse 1. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. It's obviously a, a reference to the second coming, the second advent. Let them also that hate him flee before him. They hate him. He's coming back. They're fleeing before him. Look at verse 2. Psalm 68, 2. As smoke is driven away, smoke is driven away, so drive them away as wax melteth before the fire. So let the wicked perish at the presence of God. I, w I wish God would just show himself. If God showed himself, he would just burn up. The greatest type of God and the Lord Jesus Christ in the universe is the sun. Jesus Christ said, I am the light of the world. What's the light of the world? It's the sun. We know, science tells you, we know this just sitting here on this earth. You can't even look up at the sun with your naked eye, and it just blinds you. And, you, your eyes, and if you try to, your eyes, it just hurts your eyes. You'd probably go blind. You know that eclipse is coming next year, and they're warning everybody. You can't just look up at there, even though that sun's blocked out. It'll hurt your eyes. Hey, listen, if God, you say God show up. If God showed up, his glory would burn you up. And it shows here where God's walk, he's going through here. Jesus Christ is going through. His wax melteth before the fire. So let the wicked perish at the presence of God. As God is, through Jesus Christ, is coming through there, and all the wicked are lined up in here, all the armies of the Antichrist are lined through it, and they're just melting before Jesus Christ as the fiery stream is issuing before him. Look at verse 3. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. See, that stuff, that, that stuff, and if you're in here this morning, some of this might scare you, but if you're a Christian, don't let it scare you. You need to be rejoicing. We're on the winning side. Amen? And if this stuff worries you, then get with me after church. Seriously. And I'm not kidding around. Get with me. Let me show you some Bible. I want to make sure you're saved. Okay? And if we give an invitation, which we'll give, be given in a few minutes, when I give an invitation, if the Lord spoke to your heart and said, I don't know if I know Jesus Christ. Come on down here and get saved. You know, I was 17 when the preacher gave me the invitation. I walked down. I didn't know my Bible. I didn't know Genesis from Revelation. But this I knew. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I needed a Savior. And if you're in that condition this morning where you know you're a sinner and you know you need a Savior, when we give the invitation, just come on down and get saved. It's the best thing going, I'm telling you. I, I can tell you. I, I've been on the other side of the fence. Jesus is the best thing going. Verse 4, sing unto God, sing praises to his name. Extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Jah, and rejoice before him. Jah is the abbreviation for Jehovah. Jehovah. Jah. Jehovah. Jehovah saves. That's Jesus. Jehovah saves. Jesus. Jehovah saves. Verse 5. He's a father of the fatherless. Are you in here and you don't have a good dad? That's me. I grew up without a dad. I didn't know my dad. I was a father. He, but, my, but God wants to be your father. He's a father of the fatherless. 
If, you, if you're in here this morning and you grew up without a dad, maybe you grew up without a good dad. I can't speak for you. I don't want to know your testimony, but I'll tell you my testimony. I grew up without a dad, and as a young man without a dad, I know what was in my heart, and it hurt me, and I mourned, and I moaned, and I groaned for a dad to throw a football with me, throw a baseball with me, give me attention. I wanted that male attention. I didn't have it. And God says he's a father of the fatherless. He can be that for you. And a judge of the widows. You're not alone, ladies. He's there to take care of you. He'll take care of you. It's God in his holy habitation. That's our God. God setteth, look at this, verse 6. God setteth the solitary in families. Praise God. You grow up without a family? You grow up without a, with a bad family? Maybe you're the black sheep of your family. That's what I tend to be, the black sheep of my family. God will set you in families. When you come into this church, I don't know where you come from. I don't care where you're going. I don't care where you're coming from. You're part of this family here. Amen. I'm going to hug you. I'm going to love on you. I don't know where you're going to, where you've been from. I'm going to try to love you. You're in a family here. This isn't a cult. This is a family of God. We love each other in the Lord. We're trying to help each other out. This is a hospital. Amen. This is a hospital. We come in here to get healed. We come in here. This is a spiritual hospital. We come in here to, to get cleansed. We come in here to get healed. We come in here to hear about Jesus Christ. We come in here to try to get better for Jesus Christ. If you're in here and you're perfect, you're in the wrong church. Walk out the back door because you're around a bunch of sinners. Saved by mighty grace. Amen. So, that, hey, that's what the Lord's all about. He's all about sitting the solitary in families. And I'm proud to be a part of a family church. Amen. I think that's what's wrong with a lot of Christians today. They're not in a church around the family. I just said it. I'm in a family. If I needed help, I know I could have called some of y'all last night. Y'all would have come help me. But because I love you, I didn't call you. <laughs> Amen. Some, I heard somebody go, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look at that, verse 6. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains. Are you in chains of sin? You bound up with your own sin? I was before I got saved. He'll release you. He'll release you from that sin you're in. That's our Lord God. But the rebellious, hey, you're, you're rebellion. You don't care about God. You don't want to know about God. You're going to dwell in a dry land. Let's move on to what this context is. Context here is verse 7. O God, when thou wentest forth before thy people, when thou didst march, there's that word march, through the wilderness, there we go, Selah. When you see that word Selah, that's a pause in the Bible. But really, when you study the scripture, when you see that word Selah, which is like a pause in a song, you know, you're supposed to slow down or pause. Really, when you see that, what you'll find out in the study in the scripture, almost every time right there in that a verse or two right in there is going to be a second advent verse. Second coming of Jesus Christ. It's pretty amazing. But look at verse 8. The earth shook. There's that trembled we looked at in previous verses. It shook. There's that great earthquake we studied about in Revelation. The earth shook. The heavens also dropped at the presence of God. Even Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. The God of Israel. Turn to Isaiah. Isaiah 63. So you're seeing as this Sinai is moved, the, the, the mountains are going to be melted. You're seeing all this as God is moving. Jesus Christ hits this mountain and he's moving up. He's moving up this king's highways. He's heading towards Jerusalem. Look at Isaiah 63. Uh, man, this is a, these are some tough verses right here. Now, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to. We're going to read these. I'm going to describe it a little bit. But I preached on this not too long ago. Uh, this is a Jesus that a lot of people don't know. This is the Jesus you see there in that picture right there. 
on the right right there. This is that Jesus right there. This is the Jesus a lot of the world doesn't know, but this is the Jesus of the Bible. This is the avenging Jesus. This is King Jesus. This is the warrior Lord God. This isn't the, ba this isn't the baby in the manger. He's long past that. This isn't the Jesus that's walking around the earth healing people. He's long past that. This is the Jesus on the other side of the cross. He's died. He shed his blood for, for your sins. Now the ball's in your court. He's gone up into heaven. He's a high priest right now for the sins of these people in this room. But soon he's going to come back as a king of kings and a lord of lords. And when he does, he comes back with the wrath of God. I don't take pleasure in saying that. I wish I could tell you Jesus Christ is going to come back and start hugging everybody. That's not what Scripture says. No, it's not what... Look, look at verse 1. Who is this that cometh from Edom? There's Edom, right up there. See Edom up there? Right there below the Dead Sea. Who's this coming from Edom? With dyed garments from Basra. <clears throat> Basra, here's Basra. Right up here. So you see all of this, is, all these scriptures I'm showing you, they're all taking place in the same area as he's moving up. He's coming from Edom. He's coming from Basra with dyed garments. This that, this that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength, I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. That's Jesus Christ, mighty to save. That's who we're talking about. Who is this verse 2? Wherefore, why art thou red in thine apparel? Why does your clothes look all red? And thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine fat. Now, treading in the wine fat, they'd have this like barrel. We'd call it like, we'd say it'd be like a half barrel. They'd put all the grapes in there when they gathered them up. And then they would get in there and they would just stomp in this barrel like that. And it had a little spigot at the bottom of the barrel. And they were squeezing all that grape juice out. They would just stomp, 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 stomp. They call them that treading in the wine fat. And he'd squeeze, and he'd squeeze all that juice out. You squeeze those grapes and get all that juice out, and he'd come down out of that. And that's what they were making, what we'd call grape juice out of that. He treadeth in the wine fat. Who, why is he looking? And that's what, see those garments right there? That's what that looks like. Somebody who's been, because that grape juice would splatter up on your clothes, and, and it'd stain your clothes all red. And, hmm. What's his answer? Look at verse 3. I have trodden the wine press alone. And of the people, there was none with me. Look at verse 3. This is terrifying. For I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury. And their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. That's people standing in his way. That's the army of Armageddon, the army of Armageddon, the army of the Antichrist, all those 200 million man army that's gathered together against Jesus Christ as he shoots up this king's highway and they're in his way. And he's just, it says he's it's basically he's just stomping on them as he's going through there. He's destroying them. Verse 4 For the day of vengeance is in mine heart, and the year of my redeemed is come. It's our year. The year of his redeemed. We're his redeemed. It's our year. It's finally over. It's finally our year. Verse 5, and I looked, there was none to help. You're not going to have any help. You can't call 911. There ain't nobody will help you against Jesus Christ. You're doomed. There's nobody. You, you, you can't call and say, this isn't fair. It's too late. He's already stomped over you. He's trampled over you. I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore, my own arm brought salvation unto me, and my fury, see that word again? There's that fury it upheld me, and I will tread down the people in my anger and make them drunk in my fury, and I will bring down their strength to the earth. 
That's the Lord Jesus Christ as he comes through, mighty to save. He's coming through this area right here. It's prescribed all through here, and he's shooting up that way. What a terrifying sight. But that's the battle of Armageddon. That's why it says in the book of Revelation that the blood runs for 200 miles to the horse's bridle. Any kind of horror movie you can think of, this would outdo any horror movie you could see. It's, it's incredible. Now, turn to Habakkuk. I'm, getting, I'm real quiet to see how fast everybody turns. <laughs> if you can't find Habakkuk, don't, be, don't, don't feel bad. I can't find it half the time myself. You want to find Habakkuk, there's two different ways. Look in the index of your Bible, which is nothing wrong with that. The table of contents, excuse me. Look in the table of contents of your Bible. Or you can turn to Matthew. A lot of y'all can find the book of Matthew in your Bible, right? If you can find the book of Matthew, because it's a pretty good book of the Bible, turn left. If you find Matthew, you'll turn left. You'll go through Malachi, a couple of pages of Malachi. You'll go through a couple of pages of Zechariah. Then you're going to go through Zechariah to Haggai, and then you're going to go through Haggai to Zephaniah. Oh, and there's Habakkuk. It's only like three chapters. A little small book of the Bible. Small prophet. Habakkuk. Chapter 3. Now turn, if, you can, if you're blessed enough to find Habakkuk, turn to verse 1 of Habakkuk. Chapter 3, verse 1. See, who reads Habakkuk? Amen. Who you, who's ever been at work or been at the, and say, oh man, I got the biggest blessing. I was reading Habakkuk this morning. I mean, who does that? But all the stuff's in there. And it's a blessing to study this stuff out because you're going to look at this prophecy that we're going to find there in Habakkuk. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet upon Shigonoth, the instrument. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of years. In the midst of the years, make known and wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman. Now, Teman was one of Esau's sons, which is Edom. Esau is Edom, so this area right here, Teman, right in here, Edom. And the Holy One from Mount Paran. There's that Mount Paran again, right in here. See, he's coming up this way. What's going on here? It says, he, Selah, there's that word Selah I, I mentioned again. Verse, uh, verse 3, middle of verse 3. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise, and his brightness was as the light. He had horns coming out of his hand, and there was the hiding of his power. Those horns represent the power of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 5. Before him went the pestilence, and burning coals went forth at his feet. So he's burning everything up. There it goes with wax melt, the melting of the wax, all that wax melteth. That, that's a burning coals went forth at his feet as he's going through. Everything's burning up. That's the judgment of God. Fire is the judgment of God. That's what hell's all about. That burning fire is a judgment of God. Verse 6. He stood and measured the earth. He beheld and drove asunder the nations. There it is, the battle of Armageddon. The everlasting mountains. Look, the mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills did bow. His ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of Cushan in affliction. Now, Cushan... See how it, here's follow the red line as he's going up here? Cushan is down here in Egypt. That's where Cushan is. It says, I saw the tents of Cushan. What's amazing is, 2,000 years later, you know how they're living, a lot of them? In tents. You got an amazing book right there. And it says, in the curtains of the land of Median. Now, Median is this area right here to the, to the uh, east of the King's Highway. This is Median. So this is Cushan right here. This, this is Median right here. That's mentioned right there. You see, it's all in the same little area. I saw the tents of Cushan and affliction, the curtains of the land of Median did tremble. Verse 8, was the Lord displeased against the rivers? Was I in anger against the rivers? 
Was thy wrath against the sea, that thou didst ride upon thine horses? There's that horses of Revelation 19. And that's us coming with him. And thy chariots of salvation? Here comes Jesus Christ, and we're following with Jesus Christ. As before him, it's all burning up. It's all, and the people are getting stomped, and the blood's everywhere. Look at verse 9. Thy bow was made quite naked. It means running out of arrows. According to the oaths of the tribes, even thy word, Selah, thou didst cleave the earth with rivers. The mountains saw thee, and they trembled. There's that trembling. The overflowing of the water passed by. The deep uttered his voice and lifted up his hands on high. But look at verse 11. The sun and the moon stood still in their habitation. Second advent. At the light of thine arrows they went, and at the shining of thy glittering spear. That's some war going on. Verse 12. Thou didst march. There's that word again. March. Through the land in indignation. He's mad. He's coming through marching. We just read about it in Isaiah 63. Thou didst thresh, thresh the heathen in anger. Like wheat threshing it out. Look at verse 13. Thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people. That's what he's here for. Even for salvation with thine anointed. There's Jesus Christ anointed. Thou woundest the head out of the house of the wicked by discovering the foundation unto the neck. Selah. Wow. Woundest the head. What does that remind you of? All the way back in Genesis 3, the prophecy of the woman's going to have a seed that's going to bruise the head of a serpent. That's that prophecy right there taking place as Jesus Christ is coming through here. He's finishing everything up. Now, turn to Zechariah. And we're about to close up. Zechariah. Now it gets interesting. Now we're getting back to modern day. So Zechariah, if you're here, just turn to the right. You go Zephaniah, Haggai, and then Zechariah. Zechariah is a little easier to find because it's about uh, 14 chapters. But turn to 14. Zechariah chapter 14. Turn to Zechariah chapter 14. We're going to be starting there at verse 1. Now, Jesus Christ, he's coming back to the battle of Armageddon. He's taking this path up the king's highway, and we're following with him. Nothing good. Nothing good if you're in front of Jesus Christ. See, the truth is, you want Jesus Christ's blood on you right now. I'm going to try to be, this is about as plain as I can give it to you. You either can get Jesus Christ's blood put on you right now and he'll apply it, or his, your blood is going to be on him as he comes through. You just read it in Isaiah 63. I mean, it's kind of a crude way of looking at it, but there it is. Look at Zechariah chapter 14, verse 1. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, that second advent, and thy spoils shall be divided in the midst of thee. Look at verse 2. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. All nations? America, Canada, Brazil, all nations, United Nations, right? Who gathers them? God does. I will gather. That's God speaking, the Lord. I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, the battle of Armageddon, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled. That happened Saturday. And the women ravished. That was happening Saturday. That's all a precursor of what's going to happen here in verse 2 at the battle of Armageddon. And half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. But look at verse 3. Then shall the Lord go forth, this is what we're reading about, and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle. That's Jesus Christ. 
He comes up, and he's coming up this hill, and here comes, a, here comes a, the, the army of, uh, of, of the Antichrist, and they're all set up in here. And, man, he's destroying them as he's coming through up in here, and they're gathered up and th really thick right up in here, and he's destroying them. And he, go, he says, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight. Verse 4, And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley. And half of the mountain shall be moved toward the north and half of it toward the south. Look at the end of verse 5. The Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. Amen. Here's a picture of Mount Olives. Modern day. And this is what Mount Olives looks like. And you see there's houses up here. But what you'll notice up here, it's kind of hard to see, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of put it, focus up in here. This is the mountain that Jesus Christ is going to land on, according to verse 4. And he gets on the Mount Olives, and evidently, he's on there as his horse, and he stands up, on, he gets off his horse, he stands on Mount Olives, it goes like that, and that old mountain just splits like this, the Bible says. See that? And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. He's riding that horse, he gets off that horse, he stands up there like that, and when he does, man, the whole earth starts shaking in that mountain. It's, it goes it, upon the Mount and which is before, before Jerusalem on the east, and that's, we're about to look into that. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and the, toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. This is big craters opens up. Boom! As it breaks open. What's interesting about this, on the Mount of Olives, there's 150,000 Jews graves there, buried on the Mount of Olives. Don't you know that when Jesus Christ puts his feet down, there's going to be people coming up out of those graves? That's why, the, that's why that mountain's going to split in half. You got at least 150,000 Jews coming up out of the grave right there, resurrected, as their king shows up. And we're following with him. Here's some pictures of some Jews walking on. They see all these graves. You see how they're just like side by side, almost stacked on top of each other on this Mount of Olives. And this is where he's going to land. He's going to land. He's going to put his feet down, and this thing's going to split in half. There's a side picture of it going up like that. But when you look on the Mount of Olives, it might be hard to tell, but this is on Mount Olives. And to the west of Mount of Olives, here's the Dome of the Rock. That's what the Muslims own. They're, they're fighting over that today. The Temple Mount. Here's the Temple Wall. And this is right here. You can't see it very well, but this is the Eastern Gate right in here. And I'm about to show you a picture of it. And there, See, there's a Temple Mount. There's the Eastern Gate right there. And here's the Eastern Gate right here. There's the Dome of the Rock. The Muslims own that. The Jews go over here to the Wailing Wall. But this is called the Eastern Gate. Eastern Gate. Now, turn to Ezekiel chapter 43. And we're closing. Turn left to Ezekiel 43, the eastern gate. This is prophecy now. So at the end of Ezekiel, Ezekiel can be a hard book to read. It can be an even harder book to study. If you, you want to you study the book of Revelation, you can find books and books and books on, the, on studying the book of Revelation. You can find books and books on studying the book of Daniel, two prophetic books of the Bible. You're going to har hardly have any, you're going to have a hard time finding a book on the book of Ezekiel. Finding somebody who's wrote a book on Ezekiel. It's a very hard study, but it's very, very deep. A lot of Ezekiel's close to us right now, but at the end of Ezekiel, it's really obvious that there's a temple mount going to be rebuilt. There's going to be a temple rebuilt. And what Ezekiel's seeing this vision of all this temple being rebuilt, and he's seeing a, he's seeing a vision of the millennial temple. 
the thousand-year temple, and we're going to get into that in a couple of weeks. But so when he's being God's giving him this vision. So then after that, verse forty-three. Look at verse forty-three. I mean, excuse me, chapter forty-three, verse one. Pardon me. Chapter forty-three, verse one. Afterward, he brought me to the gate. Even to the gate that looketh toward the east. He brought him to this gate right here. And this gate was open at the time. And he brings Ezekiel and he says, okay, I'm going to bring you to this gate. And it, this gate looks toward the east. So this gate looks this way towards Mount Olives. And that's where Jesus is going to hit right there at that Mount Olives. And he comes in and he says, even the gate that looketh toward the east. And look at verse 2. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east. So he's sitting in this gate. And he sees the glory of God coming off of the Mount Olives coming towards him. And his, look at this. In the middle of verse 2. And his voice was like the noise of many waters. And the earth shined with his glory. I am the light of the world. As God, Jesus, God through Jesus Christ comes down towards that eastern gate. He's coming through this towards that eastern gate. And Ezekiel's sitting there and he's seeing all this in the future as the Lord God from Mount Olives is coming back, coming towards him. Is amazing prophecy. He said, now turn to chapter 44 and we're closing. Chapter 44 and we're closing. And we're closing right here. Chapter 44. I'll throw up another picture of this eastern gate. So this is a closer picture of the eastern gate. Notice this eastern gate has been cemented up. See, here's the, here's the original gate from 2,000 years ago, right about. So this thing has been cemented up here. And if you look real close right here, that's Muslim graves. These are all Muslim graves. Look at verse 1 of chapter 44 of Ezekiel. This is a modern day picture. And this is a prophecy from 2,500 years ago. Then he brought me back. Ezekiel says, Then the Lord through the Spirit brought me back to the way of the gate of the outward sanctuary, which looketh toward the east. And it was shut. Is that? Then said the Lord unto me, this is what the Lord said to Ezekiel, This gate shall be shut, it shall not be opened, and no man shall enter in by it, because the Lord, the God of Israel, hath entered in by it, therefore it shall be shut. Then he goes on to verse 3, It is for the prince, the prince, he shall sit in it to eat bread before the Lord. He shall enter by the way of the porch of that gate. And she'll go out by the way of the same. The Lord just prophesied and said, See that gate, Ezekiel? It's closed. It's shut. And it's not going to be open until Jesus comes through that gate. We're sitting here in 2023, and that gate looks just like that. In World War I, there was a general by the name of Kaiser Wilhelm. He wanted to, he wanted to blow that up with some dynamite. It didn't happen. God put an end to that real quick, World War I. And it's sitting there just like this to this day. And the prophecy you just read is, it's not going to be opened up until the Lord walks through there. So what do we have going on here? You have Jesus Christ. He comes down, King of kings, Lord of lords. Boom, hits Mount Sinai. It just melts as he goes through. And he's go, as he's going through, think people are melting before him. People are getting stomped before him. That army, as he goes through that army, he's going up that king's highway. He's marching, marching. And he comes through, and then the battle of Armageddon takes place. Blood runs for 200 miles to the horse's bridle. But as he comes through, he hits that Mount Olives, he stands off his horse, boom, he puts his foot down, and the Bible says that, that Mount Olives just breaks open. 
And I'm, I'm speculating that all those bodies just come up out of that Mount Olives. 150,000 of those Jews are buried there. Either way, that mountain just splits open. And when he split that mountain splits open, Jesus Christ gets back down on his horse, and here he goes down on that mountain, coming into the temple right there. And that gate's going to be open. And our Lord and Savior is going to be walking over the, over the graves of Muslims as that Jew goes in that gate right there. The Muslims don't like it. The world don't like it. The White House don't like it. But it's going to happen. <laughs> Why? Because that book has never been wrong. And I can stand with all authority here because I've been preaching this for 20 years as follow authority. Nothing's changed. It's still going to happen. I can't wait for him to come back. And when he goes through that gate, he'll be king of kings and lord of lords. And finally, listen to me, finally the world will know peace like it's been craving for 6,000 years. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, 
And then with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.